0: Today, on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick.
1: Real love is calling, listen, opens up your eyes. Mercy is for you with every sunrise. Even our minds should be sanctuaries to God. Even our thought life should be reined in to a place where it's honorable to God. What we think and what we imagine and what we entertain in our minds will either be pleasing to God or displeasing to Him. It will either be honorable to God or dishonorable to God. And we need to make sure that we understand the necessity and the importance that not only is action something that God looks at and considers, but also our thoughts.
0: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Ezekiel. God gives the prophet Ezekiel a vision into the condition of Jerusalem. What he sees is a scene representative of the minds of these people. Today, Pastor Gary shows you these passages to show you that all of the little sins and impure thoughts that God's people have are seen by him. This should serve as a warning to you today that God still knows the deepest thoughts of man and that your mind must be renewed in the Word daily. Then you can take captive of your thoughts and set your focus on Him. I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Ezekiel chapter 4 as he continues his message Harnessing Our Thought Life.
1: Can you imagine if your mom makes you a sandwich? And she gives you the sandwich, and you're like, oh, you wonderful sandwich. Oh, I adore you. Thank you, sandwich. Oh, sandwich. Oh, all you ham. Oh, and you cheese. Oh, and you rye. Well, if you're gluten-free, Mr. Udo's gluten-free bread. Oh, I thank you, thank you, thank you. I just love you, sandwich. And your mom is standing there going, like, uh, hello? Could you just say thank you to me? I kind of made it. (laughs) This is how we are when we worship what was made instead of the one who made it. God is the creator. And these are the spiritual leaders. So here's what you have. You have the women of Jerusalem worshiping and weeping over Tammuz. And you have the spiritual leaders, the men, the priests, turning their back on God and worshiping the sun. God's like, you see what's going on here? Now, there's one more thing here that I want to spend the remainder of our time looking at that I skipped. If you go back to verse 7, I want to read verses 7 through 12 again. And this part applies to every single one of us. I want you to pay particular attention to this part between verses 7 through 12. Here's what it says. So he brought me to the door of the court, and when I looked, there was a hole in the wall. And then he said to me, Son of man, dig into the wall. And when I dug into the wall, there was a door. And he said to me, Go in and see the wicked abominations which they are doing there. So I went in and saw, and there, every sort of creeping thing, abominable beasts and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed all around on the walls. And there stood before them 70 men of the elders of the house of Israel. And in their midst stood Jezaniah, the son of Shaphan. And each man had a censer in his hand, and a thick cloud of incense went up. And then he said to me, son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the room of his idols. For they say, the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. is a very important part in the middle of this chapter here that I want us to focus on in our remaining time. Where is Ezekiel in this vision, and what is it that he's seeing? So in this vision, he's in the temple area here, the entrance to the temple court, and he sees a hole in the wall. And God says to him, go ahead, and he looks through the hole. He can't see through the hole. God says to him, go ahead, I want you to start breaking the wall down at the point of that hole. So Ezekiel's trying to peer into something that is, at this point, not visible. God says, go ahead, tear down the wall. Ezekiel tears down the wall, and when he does that, he comes to a door. Again, this is all a vision, because in the courtyard, there was not a hole they had to tear down a wall in order to get through a door. This is all symbolic. God is taking him to a place that is otherwise hidden, and he's going to reveal something to Ezekiel. So he gives Ezekiel permission. Go ahead, break the wall down at the point of this hole, and then he does that, and then there's this door. He says, now I want you to walk through the door. And he goes through the door in this vision, and he comes into this inner chamber this inner chamber, and Ezekiel says that he sees, I want you to picture just kind of like an art gallery in the round. He sees in this chamber, he sees pictures hanging on the wall all around this gallery, and they're abominable pictures. They're impure pictures, terrible things, creatures, impure stuff, and he sees all this, and in verse 9 says, wicked abominations hanging on the wall, creeping things, abominable beasts, idols. In the middle of this otherwise unseen dark chamber are 70 men. Now, this is symbolic of something, okay? 70 is symbolic for the general population. You get into the New Testament, you have the 70 men who formed the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was a representation of the people. They were the Jewish ruling council. So the 70 men in this imagery represents the general population, okay? Okay. And he sees 70 men in the middle of this dark chamber, detestable images hanging on the wall, these pictures all around, and God is showing Ezekiel something that is otherwise not revealed, hidden behind closed doors, which is where most detestable things happen, behind closed doors, in the secret inner chamber here. And again, in verse 12, God says to him, son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the room of his idols. Now, if you have a King James Bible, we're reading new King James, but King James helps us understand even better what is going on here. King James, instead of saying in the room of his idols, it translates in the chambers of his imagery, in the chambers of Every man in the dark, in the chambers of his imagery. God takes Ezekiel here to a hidden place, a place behind walls and doors, a place that Ezekiel is allowed to peer into, and the imagery and the language here suggest to us that this hidden place, this dark place behind closed doors, is none other than the secret places of the heart. And the mind when Ezekiel finally breaks through the wall in this vision that he has And he goes through the door He comes into a room And in this room are hanging pictures of all kinds of vile and detestable things in other words God has allowed Ezekiel to peer into the gallery of the minds of the people Where on the walls are hanging Perverted, impure, detestable images. And God is basically saying to him, this is where it all starts. In the dark recesses of the mind is where sinful behavior is generated. You know, the people were into idolatry, but they were into idolatry because they believed things and thought things and considered things and entertained things in their mind. Most of our sinful behavior is premeditated. We think about it first. We fantasize about it first. In the dark recesses of our mind, where we think no one else can see, no one else knows, no one else hears, we entertain impure things, detestable things, vile things that if anybody knew, we'd be embarrassed. If anybody knew the kind of thoughts that all of us entertain, we'd be embarrassed. Can you imagine? Well consider, God knows. Why should we allow our minds to go unchecked? Some Christians are of the opinion that as long as I don't act on something I'm thinking, it's okay for me to think it. Wrong. Because even our minds should be sanctuaries to God. Even our thought life should be reined in to a place where it's honorable to God. What we think and what we imagine and what we entertain in our minds will either be pleasing to God or displeasing to Him. It will either be honorable to God or dishonorable to God. And we need to make sure that we understand the necessity and the importance that not only is action something that God looks at and considers, but also our thoughts. We must harness our thought life. Have you ever thought to yourself, if I could just rein in my thoughts... If I could just get control of my thought life, it would help me to not do some of the stupid things and sinful things I end up doing. I and mean, it's true for all of us. But see, we must not be deceived into what the people thought. If you look at verse 12, the people thought to themselves in verse 12, the Lord does not see us. You know, it's okay, the things in the dark places, but see, God sees all this, and God's showing Ezekiel. Do you see some of the stuff going on in the dark inner chambers of their imaginations? Do you see this? This is where it all started. All the idolatry, all the rebellion, all of their sinful stuff starts there in the dark recesses of their minds. And he's showing Ezekiel these things, and it should challenge all of us. Because they were deceiving themselves, saying, the Lord doesn't see, the Lord doesn't know. You know what's interesting is, among this inner dark chamber, there's 70 men representing the people in general, but there's one guy named, by name, Jazaniah, right there in verse 11. One guy among the 70. Why is this guy named here among all the people here? Who is this guy, the son of Shaphat? Well, I think he's mentioned here because it's a play on words with his name. See, his name, Jezaniah, there's no J in the Hebrew alphabet, it's Yazaniah. Yazaniah is from two words, Yah, meaning Yahweh, and Azan, which means to hear. And it literally means the Lord hears. And even more specifically, Azan translates to broaden the ear with the hand. So it's this, you know how when you cup Your hand behind your ear because you're trying to listen more intently. That's the picture revealed in the name of this guy. Yazaniah. The Lord is straining with a cupped hand because he hears every single thing that we entertain in our thoughts. In the midst of this dark chamber, where everybody's like, God doesn't see what's going on. God says, I want you to go in, Ezekiel. I want you to see all the imagery here. I want you to see all the vile, detestable things. I see and I hear everything. Nothing is hidden From God, nothing. And so this is a good place for us to consider these things, even as it relates to our own lives. David would say in Psalm 139, 1 and 2, he said, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You perceive my thoughts from afar. I'm going to give you real quickly three things about God's understanding of our thoughts and then three things about what we need to do to harness our thought life. Here's the first one for you note takers. God knows our thoughts. The Bible tells us clearly, Psalm 94 verse 11, the Lord knows the thoughts of man. And there are different times in the Gospels, in the New Testament, where it says that Jesus knew their thoughts. Jesus knew their thoughts. Matthew 9, Matthew 12, Luke 9, Luke 11. God knows what we're thinking. Okay? Nothing is hidden from God. He knows everything about us, including our thought life. He knows what we're thinking. I came across this thing years ago. where Some of you have probably seen this too. It's this funny little scene where it opens up with two guys who are speaking German. And you find out that it's the German Coast Guard. And there's this new recruit into the Coast Guard, and he's sitting behind a desk at the Coast Guard station, ready to hear any distress calls, and it's it's his first day on the job, his commanding officer says something to him in German, slaps him on the back, and leaves the room, and this young guy, new to the whole thing, is sitting here behind the radio, waiting for anything, and just kind of biding his time, and all of a sudden, a distress call comes in, and it's in English, and there's this guy on the radio who's saying, help us, help us, Mayday, Mayday, Mayday! And so he taps the microphone and he's like, This is the German Coast Guard. Can I help? And he's like, Yes, Mayday! Mayday! We are sinking! We are sinking! And he goes, What are you sinking about? (laughs) It's hilarious. You gotta Google it. But anyway, I don't do it justice. Trust me, God knows what you are sinking about. (laughs) He knows everything about our lives, including what's in our minds. He knows our thought life. Second thing it's important to know. Number two, God tests our minds. Psalm 7 verse 9 says, for the righteous, God tests the hearts and minds. So sometimes he's going to see how well you do with your thought life by testing us. Number three, God examines our minds. Jeremiah 17, 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. So God knows our thoughts. God tests our minds. God examines our minds. Nothing is hidden from him. He understands our thought life completely, which is all the more reason why we need to make sure that it's another area of our lives that we devote to him, commit to him, consecrate to him, our thought life. So how do we do that? Three things. Number one, We need to renew our minds with the Word. We need the Bible to constantly be washing over our thought life. I mean, listen, folks, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that living in our culture, we are inundated with information. And some of that information is just terrible. It's depressing, it's impure, it's not true. And so we're constantly being bombarded with just information, information. We're on information overload. And you know what it creates often? It creates all kinds of terrible thoughts from impure, wicked, lustful thoughts to anxious thoughts, fearful thoughts, jealous thoughts, resentful thoughts, critical thoughts. I mean, it starts in our head, friends. The mind is a battleground. We can't get lazy about this. We have to realize that in the dark recesses of our minds, we can't just entertain stuff and think, no big deal, as long as I don't act on it, it's just in my head, and I can think on this, fantasize about it, dwell about it. No! not if it's impure, not if it's unholy, not if it's something that is unrighteous and dishonoring to God. We have to renew our minds by allowing the Bible to just read our Bibles, let it wash over our thought life to renew our minds. Paul would say in Ephesians 4, 22 to 23, that you put off the old man and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that word renew in Romans twelve two, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word renew is anachinosis. And anachinosis means to renovate. So those of you understand this idea who love HGTV, because you see those people come in there, they take some old dilapidated house and they totally just gut the whole thing and then they renovate it. That's the idea here. When we become Christians, we gotta gut our minds. We've got to stop thinking the same thoughts we used to think. We've got to stop entertaining some of the things we used to entertain. We've to stop fantasizing about some of the stuff we used to fantasize about. We have to gut our minds. It needs to be completely renovated. And we do that renovation by getting into the Word of God and letting Scripture just begin to bathe our minds, purify our thought life. The Word of God, Hebrews 4, verse 12 says, For the Word of God is living and powerful, and it adds at the end and it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart so we need the word of god to just wash over our minds to renew our minds with god's word number 2 this is also very important we have to take captive every thought and make it obedient to christ this is exactly what second corinthians 10:5 says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of god and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What does that mean? That means when you know the thought has come into your mind that isn't holy, righteous, honorable, you have to just immediately take it captive and say, I'm not going there. You know, as soon as it comes into your head, you're like, I can't dwell on that. Not going to think about that. Not going there because I know it dishonors God. And again, it's not just the wicked, sinful, terrible thoughts. It can also be just those anxious thoughts. I'm not going to dwell on this. It just causes me to be anxious. That is an honoring to God. I'm not going to dwell on this. Fearful thoughts. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I guarantee you, at some point, every single one of us have been scared out of our minds because of stuff we thought, all right? And what is the way that you try to deal with that if you don't do what we're talking about here? You Google. That's what you do. Like, I'm really scared about this. I don't really like this. I've got this wart on my arm, and I don't know what that could be. And it could be this, and it could be that. And so you start to Google, and then that just makes you freaked out even more. Am I right? Because you can Google anything, and it's going to tell you that you have cancer. (laughs) I mean, I'm serious. It's just going to be, oh, no. You know, I just... I inhaled some baking powder, making cookies, and maybe I'll Google, baking powder cause cancer. Of course, somebody's going to say, yeah, baking powder caused cancer for me. It's like, stop Googling, right? If nobody else is listening, I'm trying to preach to myself. All right, here we go. <laughs> David is no different. David in Psalm 13, too, he says, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts? You ever felt like that? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? But there are some thoughts that we need to take captive. Some of you have critical thoughts. All you ever think about somebody is critical, unloving, resentful, bitter, jealous. It's all here. We can't allow it. We have to take captive every thought, make it obedient to Christ. Last one, number three. We have to set our minds on spiritual things. Romans 8, 5 to 6. For those who live according to the flesh, meaning our natural sinful bent, Set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit Set their minds on the things of the spirit For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace How many of you want a little bit more peace in your life? All right, five of you Ah, It's a rainy day and you're already like I'm hungry. How much longer are you going to be? All right, but listen Listen to me on this. Take that thought captive right now. Take that thought captive. I want lunch How long is it going to be take it captive? To set our minds on something, the Greek word is phroneo, it means to rein it in. we got to rein in the thoughts of the flesh. We have to replace it with things that are spiritual. Think about the things of the Spirit. Peter would write in his epistle, 1 Peter 1.13, he says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. And I like that. That's, that's a little old English. ESV and NIV try to clean it up and they butcher it. ESV and NIV says, prepare your minds for action. Listen, there's a reason why Peter said, gird your loins, the loins of your mind. It is a Greek word, anazonumi. Zanumi means to bind with a belt. It's the image of back in the day when they had long tunics. You couldn't walk very fast, let alone run, unless you reached down, pulled up the hem of your garment, and then tucked it into your belt, so now you had more mobility. I mean, those of you ladies who wear long dresses or long skirts, ever tried to run in one? I mean, it's like impossible. You're going to trip. So what do you do? You like reach down and pull it up at least about six or eight inches so you can, you know, be more mobile and run. The idea behind that language when Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind, he's basically saying, pull up your thoughts or they will cause you to stumble. Pull up your thoughts or they will cause you to stumble. And so here's what we need to do. We need to saturate our minds With spiritual things, I'm going to read you this verse, and I'm going to ask everybody, I've said this in the other two services, I want you this week to commit to read Philippians 4.8. I want you to do it every day, because all of us, unless you're feeling like, my thought life is fine, talk to me after the service, I'd love to touch the hem of your garment. (laughs) But for the rest of us, Philippians 4.8, this is important to just saturate our minds. Listen to what it says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. So I want us, as a congregation, to just immerse our thoughts and our minds. You can read any of Scripture, but I want you to particularly Philippians 4, 8 this week and ask God to help us to really think on things that are true and noble and just and pure and lovely and of a good report and virtuous and praiseworthy and get rid of all the other thoughts that are displeasing to God. Take captive those thoughts, make it obedient to Christ, renew your mind with Scripture, think on spiritual things. And in that process, friends, we're going to glorify God, not just in the way we act, but even by the way we think. Amen?
0: That's all we have time for today. Our study through the book of Ezekiel is not complete, and there's more to gain from this complex book of prophecy. We're so thankful that you've joined us to understand the word more we trust, Cornerstone Connection is a blessing to you. Pastor Gary has more to share from Ezekiel, but for now, you can explore his teachings on our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. You'll find a list of messages available under the Teachings tab, and feel free to download them. We have a mobile app as well. Just click on the go. This is a convenient way to take the Word with you, wherever you might be. If you happen to live in the Leesburg area, we want to meet you. We have several weekend services at Cornerstone Chapel, where we spend time in worship, fellowship, and studying the Bible with Pastor Gary. Look for service times under the About tab on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. If you live further away and can't make it to one of our services in person, come join us virtually. We live stream each gathering on our website. Well, our time is up for today, but thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll join us again next time when we continue studying through the book of Ezekiel with Pastor Gary, right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go do you
1: know? In, in, in.